Hello there, you're listening to the... hurry up about it it'd be great look look covid josh it's a serious business you can't you can't rush your recovery from well, this some people have done serious business dis- during covid like uh the government's friends but uh <laughs> that is very true that is very true indeed yes hello everyone covid it it's here it's here it's infiltrated the Park Rush operation, finally, after more than two years. Frankly, I'm just a bit disappointed that it's come three days after the anniversary of the first lockdown. Having said that, it is possible that if my suspicion is correct and my sister is the one responsible for bringing COVID into the Park Rush operation, then it's I think possible that she may well have picked it up at a gig that was in fact held on the anniversary of the lockdown. <laughs> so maybe actually the most fitting way you could possibly get COVID yeah. is at a concert on the second anniversary of us going into lockdown. That's so almost too perfect. Frankly, we should be thankful on this occasion that COVID has reared its head because you may not have got a podcast this week otherwise. Uh, given our uh, schedules this weekend, uh, uh, we we weren't sure we'd be able to fit in a podcast because I woke up too late to do it initially, thought I'd be heading off pretty much straight to work. Uh, and then, well, one thing led to another. It was a very dramatic morning of seemingly negative COVID tests, followed by possibly positive COVID tests, followed by maybe you should take a COVID test and all of a sudden the most positive of COVID tests you could possibly hope to see. Uh, In all seriousness, I am fine so far and, you know, I'm a good citizen, I'm staying home, I'm locking myself away and I'm just grateful that this time I'm not missing like Space Jam 2, which I think the first time I had to isolate for COVID, which I didn't even have COVID back then, but you had to isolate just for getting pinged. Yeah. Is I think when I missed Space Jam Two, which was a very distressing experience, of course. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I don't, I don't know if, who came out better there. Uh, it might have been you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. How are you, Josh? COVID is yet to to get its way into your household. It seems. Uh, yeah, we're still uh, COVID negative. Uh, which is very nice. Uh, my parents are away in a couple of weeks. Uh, they go, I think they go just before you do. They're, they're on tenterhooks, but they're, I mean, they're still, they've gone down the rugby club today for a big uh, end of season dinner. They're throwing caution to the wind like nobody's business. You've got to live life to the full f- for as long as you can, I suppose. Yeah. <clears throat> I went to Sainsbury's look- today. Got some uh, got some crunchy Cheetos for my mum for Mother's Day. Some Cheetos for Mother's Day. Yeah, that is I've very got, on brand. I've got a bit of an assortment going on. I've got some uh, some other goodies, but the uh, the American product was crunchy Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos for Mother's Day. That is amazing. Yeah. Wait till uh, you find out what I'm buying for dinner. <laughs> <clears throat> well, 
actually not a bad time for me to have picked up COVID potentially because as of this podcast going out, we are within the three-week countdown for me jetting off to Florida. I can't believe this is finally upon me. I, I am very excited. I've got my, got my tickets in my phone, all that stuff. It's feeling very real, but of course that... Uh, pre-departure COVID test was something that I was feeling a little anxious about. I couldn't help but think I'm going to go through this whole pandemic having not got COVID and then get it at the last possible minute that rules me out of Florida. So to get it now, you know, with a nice three-week buffer, I feel like that's that's actually quite a good outcome overall for my anxiety levels. You know, this is, of course, touchwood, assuming that we all get off relatively mildly which you would certainly hope so we are all triple jabbed here and uh, hopefully we'll all be okay and uh, we won't have to worry about testing negative by the time we are doing our pre-departure tests so now that you've got now you've got covid that gives you like a uh, a buy right basically Oh, yeah, that's true, isn't it? If you can show... The thing I haven't managed to get my head around, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, is how would I need to show proof of recovery from COVID within, you know, an acceptable window? Like, do I have to... Does that have to be also from a PCR test? I mean, I don't quite know what what the protocol is there. Obviously, when you're traveling to the US, they require you to have had a, you know, professional, professionally done COVID test, negative COVID test uh, to enter the country. Do you also need to have done a professionally done positive test for, for the positive test to be an acceptable way of proving that you've recovered from COVID? I I don't know because clearly I'm not going to now knowing that I have COVID. I'm not now going to go over to, you know, the shopping centre to be like, excuse me. So I've got COVID. Could you just do a test on me to to prove it professionally? (laughs) (laughs) Like there's no that clearly is not a, a feasible situation. So. I don't quite know how this all works. I guess really. when but you get I, a, when you get a bit of downtime at work today, maybe uh, this evening, if you do, then uh, you can have a look, see what the deal is with that. Listen, I, you know, for anyone listening, uh, maybe a colleague of mine, there is no downtime at work. I'm fully focused on my on the job at hand at all times. What Josh just said, I, I don't recognise this as a as, as a situation that ever occurs. I mean, I'm only ever a hundred percent focused on the job, legally, as, it, as, as I should be. Legally speaking, you do get an hour's lunch, right? So, <laughs> uh, whether one. whether you take that lunch is up to you, Tom. But legally speaking, they have to provide you an hour's lunch. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> we all have dreams. So, if you took uh, they, five minutes out yeah. of your day to look something up, but they can't begrudge that of you, even if they are listening right now. If they are listening right now and they do begrudge that of you, I will come down on you, uh, Tom's employer, like a ton of bricks. Like the lawyer, I am not. <laughs> well, I, I do know for a fact that some esteemed colleagues of mine did listen to last week's episode because it was a frankly shockingly professional operation and did some actual journalism. Uh, it felt very strange, actually, and, I, and I, do, I do appreciate that we are truly back on form here with nine minutes of absolute waffle. 
And, you know, anyone who perhaps found themselves impressed and intrigued by uh, last week's episode and thought, um, maybe I'm going to subscribe to this, give this a go. I, uh, I can only apologize. This is... <laughs> This is what this is what normally happens. That was absolutely a, an outlier. Uh, and what you've got right now, what you've got here, nine minutes of this. This is this is what this is what we're all about. Oh, generally baby. speaking. Oh, yeah. But uh, no, uh, thank you. Genuinely, I have had some really nice feedback on last week's episode. Uh, I hope it was informative more than anything. Uh, if you missed it, it was about this uh, so-called "Don't Say Gay" bill that. I'm sure plenty of people have heard about, if only through osmosis um, in Florida, of course, which is proven to be a very tricky issue for Disney to handle. Do they back it? Don't they back it? Will they speak out? Won't they speak out? It's been a, a real mess, quite frankly. And uh, they seem. it seems to me like uh, Disney are now basically in a position, uh, Josh, where they've kind of annoyed everybody. You know, the wishy-washy stance they had originally really upset uh, a lot of people in the LGBTQ community, both in terms of their employees, but also their fans, and I think also just society at large. So they're all very suspicious now of of, of, of Disney's stance on these kinds of issues and whether they really are, you know, an ally to this community. But now that they have kind of come out and tried to portray themselves as being very anti this bill, or at least, you know, uh, having strong concerns about this this bill, which, you know, to sum it up as kind of neatly as I can, it basically restricts conversation and, and certainly formal teaching about LGBT uh, people, relationships in the classroom, in schools in Florida, uh, at, at, within younger age groups and there is a concern basically that you know at the extreme end of this it could be used as a way of almost erasing the existence of these people from uh from school life in some way Um, but yeah disney have come out kind of very strongly against it since then and are now getting tons of grief from the likes of governor ron DeSantis. Of Florida, so Which is uh, basically nobody likes Disney anymore. Disney are now in the like, oh, uh, we really hope you like Obi Wan <laughs> mode. That's <laughs> yeah. Can we all move on from this, you know, very serious, serious issue and and just enjoy the Star Wars together? Is that is that too much to ask? I behind think that's the, Disney's official. Behind the attraction is not as uh, rainbows and lollipops as the TV show might make you. Make it appear. No, it seems not. It seems not. Don't think I ever finished watching that series. No, actually. neither did, I. Did... Every time I go onto Disney Plus, go onto my watch list to watch uh, Star Wars Rebels, I see it sat there like, watch me, please, please watch me. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think it's just because it came out after the Imagineering story, obviously, which was really, really, well, for the most part, excellent. really great. Yeah, it's pretty excellent. Um, yeah, up, up until the and... end, it just become a fluff piece, but. Yeah, the behind the attraction stuff kind of just doesn't feel like particularly necessary viewing once you've seen the Imagineering story, to be honest. Yeah, I've watched some other stuff on there as well, like um, Disney Fairy Tale Weddings, which is about the weddings that happen at Disney. That's kind of interesting insight to how other parts of Disney work. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's also a Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom one on there, which I haven't watched, but uh, I'd imagine that's up your alley, Tom. Watching watch the wedding series with a with a view to your future, are we? Uh, no, 
Not no <laughs> not not a realistic uh, eye anyway, because it's. Well, if you had to get married at a Disney park, which one would you choose, and what what kind of ceremony would you be looking for exactly? Uh, I I feel like if you're going to get married at Disney, like it, you'd have to go quite. Tra- it feels like you'd have to go fairly traditional. Uh, you know the castle and to me in my in my head anyway i mean I, but there were some there were some out there weddings there for me uh, there was one at um like fort wilderness sort of area for the most part the weddings don't happen in the parks they happen in sort of wedding spaces around the land some of the weddings happen in the park but then you're getting married at like four in the morning because obviously they can't stop regular oh, I see. park hours so yeah. oh they can you just have to get the lightning lane yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lightning Lane, your wedding. There's, but they were like, what happen? What usually happens is you you do the wedding, um, and then like the day after, or, or sometimes even the day before, you have to go at four a.m. to get your wedding photos taken in front of the castle if you want castle photos. It's kind of bonkers. That is mad. See, just yet another uh, reason uh, why I've decided, you know. Uh, happiness, love, relationships, marriage, eventually. It's just not for me, Josh. If you're telling me that it involves rocking up to Disney at 4am to get pictures in front of the castle, what's the point? doesn't uh, seem worth yeah, it to no. me. No, I'm, I think I'm good. Stick to my video games and my, my Cheetos. What, what would be quite a good, cool thing uh, is if you went to Epcot and then you could get wedding photos in all of the different countries. Oh, that would be quite cool. You could just come home and be like, I've been on the most incredible honeymoon. You wouldn't believe it. (laughs) Uh, The the road trip to end all road trips. Yeah. That's enough of that, I think, for now. Let's let's crack on before COVID takes me. We better talk about some actual theme park news. Probably helpful. Uh, We'll just mention, uh, off the back of last week's episode, I I did talk about uh, the fact that there were some walkouts planned across the Disney company this past week and uh, some of those did take place at the Disney parks. Uh, The Disney theme parks did post a statement on, I think it was Tuesday, which was one of the days of the planned walkouts where, again, they, they issued their support for gay, lesbian, trans employees. Yeah, so I was reading into that a little bit more. Um, Apparently, uh, staff members at all of the different sort of uh social feeds that came out in support uh were already supporters of the movement and so it was an independent of disney thing that they all of these social events uh social media platforms put their these messages out uh oh interesting so what like whoever runs the whoever runs the socials for disney went what did they did they go rogue or something no i think they like were like no we need to support this and kind of Got other people, got the team on board, I guess, uh, for the support right. of, the, of the movement. So, yeah, mm. but it's, it, that's why it coincidentally happened at the same time as the movement. I see, because it was kind of a coordinated thing. Uh, I wonder, you know, how long these sorts of protests and walkouts are going to be actively taking place. I, I guess it's as long as this bill is seen to be a very visible issue for people and and i wonder sort of how formally disney might start to support them you know it's one thing to put out a statement on twitter or instagram or something but i wonder if over the coming weeks there might be some more you know very visible signs of the company's support for this movement at 
the parks or or wherever else you know it will be interesting to see whether anything happens there even if it's something as simple as you know some signage or or whatever else uh you know i do think that would probably mean something to to the people affected yeah for sure right let's uh let's move on and get into the you know it's a it's a it's a tough pivot uh, in some ways a strange pivot to then just start talking about i guess sort of day-to-day theme park news as we like to do but uh a couple of things that you spotted this past week josh uh one that is disney related albeit paris and the uh the disney village which uh to all intents and purposes is their kind of version of downtown disney or disney springs is going to get a makeover. Yeah, so uh, it seems to be a multi-year makeover, uh, and they're going to be getting um, a lakeside park and boardwalk, enhanced pedestrian walkways, brand new facades, relaxing terraces and patios, and lush landscaping. That's according to Disney's press release, anyway. And yeah, they, so they've put out some concept art, uh, and fundamentally, what you know, they're doing a sort of what they've done to Disney Springs and what they're doing to downtown Disney in California. Um, they're kind of giving it that refresh, that vibe, but um, in a more uh, Parisian way. The uh, Cafe Mickey is getting replaced by uh, a French brasserie called Rosalie. Um, Ooh la la. Yes, and that's going to be run by a group called Group Bertrand, which runs multiple brasseries in Paris. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, that's going to be quite a big restaurant, actually. A uh, two-story, 500-seat restaurant. French specialties, uh, table service, takeaway. Yeah, I, I, I think there is an opportunity here. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, this speaking of the Imagineering story earlier, one thing that that show actually did document quite well is how much opposition there was to Disneyland Paris when it was first being developed and, and planned and then when it opened people thought yeah oh, we don't want this kind of tacky american you know this american tacky american corporate mascot coming over here and building this thing park that just doesn't fit with the vibe of of classy paris at all and you know i think people have obviously come around to disney over you know disney's presence there more over the years i'm sure there are plenty of people who still uh, would rather they not be there but <clears throat> one thing i would say is that you know the disney village whilst i thought it was okay and you know there was a decent selection of shops i think you know we when we were there a few years ago I've spent a couple hours in a in a reasonable sports bar on the last day there are things about it to like but i guess i would say that yeah certainly compared to disney springs which is maybe a slightly unfair point of comparison at this stage given that that was an enormous redevelopment and yeah. is still pretty new all things considered disney village did yeah did maybe feel a little bit tacky and didn't necessarily i, I think there's scope perhaps to make it more evocative of paris or you know some other part of france quite frankly it it does kind of feel, you know, it's very sort of bright and colourful and, and has a bit of a toy set vibe, frankly. It's a bit of a hodgepodge of architecture. and Yeah, it, it's, it's, it felt how I, in my head, remember downtown Disney when I first went. Oversaturated I, I think... um, yeah. and a bit, bit like, certainly like for now, like 
kind of very very 90s i would say yeah very 90s it it felt like specifically the section of downtown disney was it pleasure was it was it pleasure island was it called pleasure island or something like that it was where there was a nightclub and there was planet hollywood uh, the pre-reefer planet hollywood it it Mm. kind of has that vibe actually disney village kind of feels like a planet hollywood village in a strange way it's yeah it's got it's quite garish and i definitely think there's uh, an opportunity to you know class it up a little bit i think this this could they could do you know it needed it was one of them things where disneyland paris as a whole was kind of neglected for quite some time um Mm. i you know was kind of the general opinion of people that have been there um a few years you know over the years being that back a couple of times and so you know they're putting effort into the parks, and they need to put effort into this area as well. And uh, it's, I think it'll be—it's going to be really good once it's done. Hopefully, yeah, I hope so. Uh, you know, they've steadily been giving some TLC to all these kind of downtown Disney areas, so it will be nice to see Paris get some love. Uh, but as you say, it's a kind of multi-year makeover, so. Uh, it will kind of be drip-fed, the improvements, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so Rosalie is meant to open in 2023, which is the, the brasserie, um, and, but there's no timeline for anything else after that. Well, we will uh, keep an eye on it, of course. Uh, the other thing you'd spotted this week, Josh, was... Uh, so we've talked previously about this Jumanji ride <clears throat> that is coming to uh, Gardaland in Italy, uh, but it's going to now also be coming elsewhere it seems or if not this exact ride at least other jumanji rides will be opening at theme parks around the world it would seem as part of the deal that's been struck between sony and uh, merlin yeah so gardaland in italy where the jumanji ride is opening um, is owned by merlin or managed by merlin um and they've struck a deal as you say, with with Sony to get that to be a you know multi park operation, which is going to be quite exciting. Um, you know, I I would say that Merlin sort of Merlin is a UK based entertainment company, so you would imagine uh, Alton Towers, Thorpe Park, or Chessington might get a Jumanji ride. I'm I'm trying to think where that might fit in. You know, uh, whack it in the London Dungeon. Yeah, go on. Go on, Cadbury World, maybe. <laughs> uh, Peppa Pig World, why not? Throw it in there. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, Peppa Pig with the rock. Thought Park is getting that rumoured new ride that we've discussed previously, or I think they've, it's been announced now, we've, we've, we've spoken about. So maybe maybe that gets a Jumanji theme, and who knows? Um, maybe, maybe. I mean, <clears throat> I, I think it would probably, given that Chessington is part zoo... Maybe yeah. that would make the most sense to have the Jumanji ride, but yeah, but is that, but you know, does that skew too young? Is is the yeah. other thing? Is it's hard to see it fitting into Thorpe Park, frankly. I think I think you're looking at Alton Towers, uh, if if it's not Chessington. Yeah, it, I think so. Um, Alton Towers, obviously, there's a lot of room building. Bait, well, lower rides. Makes sense there at Alton Towers because of the tree height restriction. So um, building a a building with a ride inside of it kind of makes sense, which is what the ride is 
at Gardland. Maybe that makes sense. I'm trying to. I'm looking at what they've got going on, uh, theme park wise or park wise. Actual theme parks that are not brand, Legoland branded or Peppa Pig branded or whatever. You've got the three parks over here: the Alton Towers, Thorpe Park, Chessington. You've got Gardland, uh, and then the other one is Hyde Park in, which is not uh, in London, uh, but in oh. Germany, in Lower Saxony. Right. So is that on is that on our list, Josh, of, for our potential European theme park uh, road trip in in I the don't summer? Think so. I assume it's uh, out out of our out of our region. Right. Something I'm intrigued by when it comes to this Jumanji ride is kind of what its footprint is going to be because we haven't seen a ton uh, from it just yet. But one of the most striking elements that they have shown off was that pretty sizable animatronic. Don't you remember? It's a sort of stone giant-looking thing. We talked about it a while back on the podcast. I'm sure it's easily easy enough to find online if you if you give it a Google. But that looked pretty impressive. Uh, So far as animatronics go, Uh, you're obviously riding in these kinds of you know jeep-looking vehicles as well. Uh, You know, will the weirdly porn parody-looking versions of Dwayne Johnson, Chris Rock, and Karen Gillan be involved? (laughs) We will have to wait and see here. Uh, I certainly hope so. I just want um, the guy from uh, the Jonas Brothers, the single Jonas brother that's in it. Oh, yeah. Is it Nick? Was he the one that was in it? Nick Jonas? Yeah, it could be Nick Jonas. I've plucked that from thin air. I don't actually know. But I'm going to go with Nick. That sounds right. Colin Hanks' in-game character. (laughs) Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, well, have you found anything out about this Hyde Park that isn't the Hyde Park that we're uh, not familiar with? Yeah, it's it's uh, near Hamburg. Well, it's, it's pretty close to Hamburg, so it's a, it's a little out of our route, I would say. Maybe yeah. another time. Yeah, next time. Cool. Uh, one thing that I, I think we so so two weeks ago. So before the episode about the Florida Don't Say Gay Bill, we had Stephen Libby on the show to talk to us a little bit about the Galactic Star Cruiser and his experience on board, which was really uh, interesting, and I I recommend you check that one out. We've had two pretty, overall, by our standards, quite professional, smoothly operated podcasts. Uh, We've had two in a row, Josh. Yes. Uh, And I do worry that people who've joined us for the first time in the past fortnight are going to be deeply disturbed and disappointed by by what was delivered this week. But, you know, it it is what it is. Uh, We did briefly talk, and then I think I cut it in the edit suite because I just kind of wanted us to get to the point quicker and talk about the Galactic Star Cruiser. Uh, We did talk briefly about the fact that Universal has announced that Super Nintendo World will be coming to Hollywood in 2023. Uh, but in terms of, you know, publicly available Park Rush content, this is the first time we have talked about that. There's not a ton to say about it really at this stage. Uh, obviously, this is already open in Osaka. Uh, we know it's coming to Florida, uh, Epic Universe. We know it's coming to Singapore. And uh, But none, none of those really have dates on them just yet. Uh, so 2023 for Hollywood. Uh, exciting. I mean, I... I would hope, I mean, obviously we have long wanted to go to Japan to do the theme parks there, but given that Japan are being pretty cautious about reopening, it's not inconceivable that uh, the Hollywood version of Nintendo World might be the more feasible option for for British theme park fans 
you know, it, it might be that that's more feasible before the Japan version, which is kind of unthinkable, but not impossible, not implausible. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I th- you know, the, the thing that I'm most interested about when it comes to this land is just how it scales to the different parks, because you've obviously got the OG in Osaka, but then you think about the Florida version and you would have to imagine that they're going to have way more room to work with given that they are building a whole new thing park with this land in mind from the very beginning. And then at the total opposite end of the scale, you've got Singapore, which is a by all accounts, well, I've, I've been there and, and can say from experience, that is a small thing park by Universal Studio standards. And so the Nintendo land there is is surely going to be the smallest version of the lot it's going to be interesting how it scales between all the different all yeah. the different parks i think the hollywood park is weird because of where it is because uh, it's on like the side of a hill so you have like a lower lot and an upper lot so that's a little, right that makes it very interesting on how they arrange lands and uh rides and that sort of thing i think i might be wrong i think I'm pretty sure the only ride they have confirmed as coming to Hollywood so far is Mario Kart. So I think you're only going to have that. Obviously, in Japan right now, you've got Mario Kart and Yoshi with Donkey Kong being worked on. I think it's widely assumed that all three will be at Epic Universe day one. Yeah. And in Singapore, I would have to imagine it's just Mario Kart and nothing else. But I'm still a little unclear as to uh, how much of the existing Singapore space they are dedicating to Nintendo World. They are closing Madagascar land, but I don't know if that is for the Minion land, which they have also announced for Singapore, or if that's for Nintendo, or if it's for both. I think they're also planning to expand that park a little bit, so I don't know if maybe Nintendo goes into the new space that they that they make for that park, or I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. That's why I'm interested in how this land scales between all the different parks. But so far as Hollywood is concerned, I'm I'm pretty sure that it's just Mario Kart, certainly on day one, and then I guess we'll see. But uh, you know they've had some other they've they've had a good selection of new stuff over there this past year or two. Obviously, Secret Life of Pets opened. Uh, and they got the big retheme of Jurassic Park to Jurassic World, which looks really great. So mm. that park's seen some love over the last few years. I mean, and if this hits its target of 2023, then you're you're looking at what Jurassic World, Secret Life of Pets, and Nintendo World having all opened since the turn of the decade. I think, which uh, you know, if you can ignore the whole COVID thing and the war, that's uh, reasons to be cheerful, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> If you're a fan of Universal Hollywood, at least. Yeah, who isn't? I w- I, well, I would very much like to go. I would very much like to, to go out there at some point. Yeah, I, I haven't been there either. When we when I was out there, uh, we only had time to hit up either Disney or Universal. Um, and obviously we had to go Disney when we were there. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, but Disney also planning to show some love to their California parks over the next couple of years, of course. And they... And they only just had uh, Avengers Campus as well uh, last year. So, um, you know, plenty of reasons to to hit up those parks for the first time or or return if you've not been for a while. 
which which is good which is good it's nice to see the other you know the, the parks on the other coast uh, getting mm. some love not just the florida ones uh, but speaking of florida just to head back there I think to round it out, unless there's uh, any surprise news that I haven't seen, uh, but good news and another sign, I think kind of one of the final things you will have been waiting for in terms of a, a return to pre-COVID normality uh, or as, as, as close to that as you're going to get uh, uh, so far as Walt Disney World's concerned. International cast members coming back to Epcot uh, via the Disney Cultural Representative Programme. Uh, obviously, this was a long-running programme and, and how you ended up with with natives working at each of the lands dedicated to the different countries in the World Showcase. I must say, I don't know exactly how that's been working over the last uh, 18 months, two years, whether, you know, you've just had locals working throughout. Are they trying to put on accents? <laughs> or, or uh, you know, is everyone in the British, you know, part of Epcot now just talking like Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins? I don't know. Uh, They've I'm just curious hired the to find from, out. Uh, Cru- Cruella film. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to be interested to see um, how quickly this this returns to to normal and how soon they're able to get people into those roles. I, I, I think it probably does make a big difference to uh, uh, to the immersiveness of of each of those. Uh, sections of the world showcase so uh yeah. yeah good news good news are you going to apply mm, probably not now no i have i have applied previously uh, i was not successful so it's probably not probably not worth it anymore probably won't get it again no uh no i i have been you know told some frankly yeah well it's a double-edged sword working at disney world uh, from what i hear uh, you know, met someone a few times a couple of years ago who who had just returned from working out there, and you know, obviously you, you have some extraordinary experiences to look back on, but it can also be an absolute nightmare by the sounds of it. Uh, if you think that the Disney fandom online can get a bit weird, then yeah. you should try living it. You know, <laughs> day to day in the yeah. flesh, it sounds intense. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm good actually. This is this is <laughs> intense as uh, I'm willing to get doing a, a weekly podcast on the thing. Just, I guess, uh, for the record, they're aiming to bring uh, workers over first from Germany, Norway, Italy, France, Canada, and good old Blighty. Good so old there we Blighty. go. We, w- we will be in the first wave uh, of, of returning international workers to Epcot, as it, as it should be, yeah. as it should be. Um, all right. Well, uh, just just one final impossible pivot. I did feel like we should probably. Oh, I wasn't sure whether or not to mention this or not, uh, but people may be aware of this absolutely horrific accident yeah. that's happened on the Orlando freefall on iDrive. Yeah. Uh, this drop ride, I don't think, was open the last time I was in Florida. I think it only opened at the back end of last year. Uh, but it's pitched yeah. as being the world's tallest uh, freestanding tower drop ride. It's 430 feet, which is absolutely astonishing. Uh, you know, to put that into context, for example, I mean, Falcon's Fury at Bush Gardens, which, you know, I've done that ride, and that is maybe even higher than I would frankly feel comfortable <laughs> going. That is That feels incredibly 
high up and this is this has got i think 100 feet on that just over which is as i say quite extraordinary but there was an awful awful uh accident on that ride uh just a couple of days ago as of recording where uh, a 14 year old boy essentially was flung out of his seat and and died and and now of course there there's an investigation i suppose going on as to uh as to the safety protocols on that ride because he clearly was not restrained as he should have been yeah. uh, i will i just will say you know if if yeah, if this is the first you've heard of this do be careful when it comes to looking this up there is some absolutely horrific footage doing the rounds very very readily available and easy to find certainly on social media so do be careful if you're at all sensitive because it, it's it's really it's really horrible um, but there is also video going around which you know cuts before you see anything uh too upsetting um, which does seem to show people trying to raise to the attendants that this this kid's restraint it, i don't think they're necessarily saying hey this restraint isn't on properly i think they're just asking them to check and asking if they have checked uh this kid he's, he's a pretty big kid I th- you know he's, he's well north of six three six four i think yeah, uh, you know, yeah, quite a big quite a big guy and he's six foot six and 280 pounds so he's a he's a big guy and perhaps it would seem as though perhaps this ride simply simply can't accommodate certainly safely people of that of that size and um and if that is the case then yeah questions have to be asked the very serious questions have to be asked of the people who were on shift who were working at that time but we'll have to wait and see there is obviously a sort of police investigation and I'm sure the operator yeah uh, is I, is investigating as well but absolutely think- awful it, it, it's not been super long since um, I think an employee died while I'm expecting the star flyer at Icon Park either. So it's not, hey, I'm not trying to ruin any business or anything here, but there seems to be uh, some clear safety takeaways that need to be uh, assessed and put into action here at Icon Park. Yeah, I don't think that's a controversial statement. That does seem to be the case doesn't it yeah this this ride used the kind of you know recognizable typical over the shoulder safety restraints doesn't seem like it included a a you know a buckle and a seat belt along with that uh, purely the old over the shoulder safety restraints which you know obviously should make that kind of satisfying click noise um to let you know that you're strapped in well yeah yeah i, I it doesn't bear thinking about frankly i mean if it, it should be very obvious to people when that when those kinds of restraints are not secure and god yeah just the idea of i mean i just it's just a horrible thing to think about because of the the nature of that ride as well how it will slowly slowly bring you all the way up to the very top Mm. you know just the idea that people on that ride might have had the suspicion that something wasn't right and they had all that time to yeah it's absolutely awful but yeah we won't say anything more of it until we find out more um either from the yeah. uh the park or or the police uh but yes just reinforces i mean you know i i've 
certainly been guilty of feeling this way before when you you turn up at a thing park you're looking forward to doing a certain ride you get there and you find that it's closed for maintenance or safety reasons or they're checking something uh you know just puts into context how important though that kind of work really is and yeah in the heat of the moment it can be frustrating especially if you feel like you've got limited time maybe you will miss the opportunity to do a certain ride on your long-awaited holiday because it just so happens there is vital maintenance going on at the one point where you were looking to ride it but you know incidents like this just reinforce how important all that kind of stuff is and really puts everything into perspective so uh that is gonna do it i think for this week's episode of the park rush podcast thank you very much for listening you can keep up with the show in the meantime on twitter at park rush podcast uh do tweet us if you want to get in touch with the show or, or drop us an email podcast at parkrush.com we're also on twitch and youtube you can find us on there not done a lot on there as of late to be to be honest but uh, we 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 do live in those places if you if you're so inclined, and uh, yeah, subscribe on your preferred podcasting app if you haven't already done so. And if if you, if you're expecting more of what you got last week, then uh, maybe unsubscribe. <laughs> and, uh, we will uh, we will catch you next time. Take it easy and stay safe out there, everyone. Goodbye. See ya. 